and welcome to Map Bites, episode 72. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, PSTs, passwords and power tools. Sounds like, can I have a pee please, Bob? Oh, so, so we're moving swiftly along so early in the show. We also have some seriously miscreant Mac biters, but more on that later. First of all, what could we possibly start with other than fish and tips? Who were? Mm. Yes, Kevin just about, well, he informs us he just about coped with the vajazzling, which I thought was rather impressive. But it was mention of the pee-jazzling that almost caused an accident. Mustn't, mustn't drive while listening to MacBytes, as Minster can well attest. But more on Minster later as well. He was involved in a bit of an incident, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, he was. Comes, comes of listening to MacBytes while cycling. Oh, I but, remember. Uh, yeah, like I say, I more remember. on that later. But we also heard from Gav Richardson. Passwords, 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 and two MacBytes in a row be still my beating heart. We so nearly made it three. Well, they are in a row. It's just the, the distance between them. Anyway, he says, fish and tips. So, so, so wrong, but he enjoyed it. And probably not safe for work. I can honestly say not, I must admit. Um, but he went further than that. You know what he found? What did he find? He found the official Fish and Tips website. Really? Have you seen it? I've seen it. Yes, I've seen it as well now. I must admit I hadn't seen it before, and um, I can only be what can be described as completely horrified. There's pictures, but um, they're quite tame by what I was expecting. What got me was there is a menu up there. You know, like a prices mm. thing. But it actually says on the menu. Hence the menu outside the place. Anyway, as if it wasn't bad enough with things that I know nothing of. What is threading? I don't know. No. No, I didn't want to, to, to um, go into that much further. But after threading came waxing, so I went back to the threading, to be honest. No, what got me was it's not just for women. How detailed did you look at this menu? I didn't look at it at all. I think you should. Go on. I'll wait while you find it. What, now? Yes. I'm looking for, for a particular thing. They seem, they seem to have added things to I'll it as well. I'll put this link in the show notes. Oh, do, do. Do you know we're generating so much business oh, for them? I, I think I think we should get on to them, you know, and, and, and seek out some sponsorship. Right, what am I looking for here? Prices. You're, look, you're looking for, I think it was the... Um, the feet section. Gararoo for fish treatment. After no, treatment no, no. The foot, the foot Monty. Oh, the foot Monty. Yes, but there's also a men's Monty. You're curious, admit it. With power tools. Exactly. With power <laughs> tools. That blew my mind. I had to leave the site at that point, I'm afraid. So, no. Um, but I'm thinking. Mike's birthday. Absolutely. So I'm sure we shall be revisiting fish and tips. Should we talk out some Mac stuff now? Should we? Well, yeah, we've not finished with Gav yet. Gav assures me, right, he's got another vote for uh, VMware Fusion. Works perfectly for the five applications I still need to use on Windows. You know what that did, don't you, Gav? Made me wonder what they were. Uh, I've only really got one, I think. Does Office count as one? No, five. Oh, oh well, that's Word easily Excel, sorted. PowerPoint, <laughs> Outlook, I. Access. No, I, d I don't really look at. I don't don't really fiddle with um, access anymore. Knowing Gav, knowing Gav, it's probably music. Mm, that's true. Well, I'm curious anyway. I do I do use it for office, uh, but that's about it. 
I was thinking when when we built up um, our latest Windows 8 box, don't ask. It was horrible and still is. I'm still looking for the start menu. Uh, and if you find it, can you please let me know where it is? Because I'm lost. <laughs> I'm like a little lost kitten with it. So, yes, I have been there, but I only use um, really, really PowerPoint for me. I know it's Excel for you, isn't it? It is. But five applications seems a lot if we count Office as one. But anyway, let me know. But talking of Office, over to you. Yes, talking of Office, talking of Access, um, last time I talked about how to access Access databases on a Mac and Jody asked on Twitter, can you open Access databases in Bento? Um, now, you can't directly, but you can actually do it using one of the tools that I mentioned. Um, export the, you export the Access file to a CSV and then you import CSV file into Bento. There's a link that I'll put into the show notes for anyone that wants to do that. I'm not sure how many people are really using access to any great degree if they could do that. Mm, but the question was asked, so I answered mm, true. it. True. I guess it depends what type of information's in there. If it's a fairly simple design of a database, probably. But there isn't anything really on a Mac that can just take an access database and actually let you use it as intended, is there? No. There's scope there for an app, I think. Mm, an app for that. Mm, there should be. In fact, I thought I'd found one. Um, I saw a front-end app for a whole range of databases on a Mac, which I thought, as I've said, was a great idea. And then I saw the price. It's called Aquadata Studio. Do have a look. Another click? Yes, I'll wait. OK. Go on. Surprise, everybody. Uh, I can't <laughs> even see the price. At the top, next to the word demo. Oh, $500. Yes. Mm. That's a bit steep, isn't it? It is. It's um, an integrated database environment with a single consistent interface. I was asleep at that point. I think you've lost most of our well, listeners you, by you now. Just, you don't describe an app like that really anymore, do I've you? I've gone back to the sh I've, I've gone back to the fish and... and <laughs> it's the MacBytes team. I've gone back to... Yeah, the joke's gone now, hasn't it? I was going About to say... About minutes gone, ago. I've gone back to the fish and tips site. Oh, well done, dear. You managed you to get it out. You talk about databases. Yeah, I'll talk about databases. It's far safer. Anyway, yes, that well, that was an option. Well, it, it, obviously it can be done. So what we need is one that's more cost effective. When I went to a Mac, I had quite a few access databases and I didn't think I, I'd want to live without them. But to be honest, I did. I simplified. So um, it was all in good cause in the end. I simplified. But yes, I can understand people wanting to have access to it. So uh, yes. And we're catching up on passwords. Mm, Twitter got hacked again. So um, this was about the time they were talking about images replacing passwords. I didn't see that. It's like, like, like photos. I'm just not too sure about it. I, well, My experiences with passwords literally for the last six to eight months have just been horrible. And, um, you know, it, it's just going to make it more difficult if, if you have images and they don't work. What we need is to educate people, I think. But yes, and then Evernote got done, didn't they? That was a big disaster. Yes. And you tweeted that before Evernote did. I did. I was literally just sat there and I was trying to use Clearly. Um, I love Clearly. It's fantastic. It's um, a plug-in for your browser and you it, it installs a button. You go to a web page, you click the button and it simplifies the web page. You lose all the flashing adverts and oh, tiny, tiny text. Those inline ads, they all disappear and you can just read the article. But better than that, you can actually clip that clean version of the article straight into Evernote. And it does that uh, online. It doesn't 
do it with your local version of Evernote, it actually sends it straight to Evernote in the cloud. And it stopped and it asked me for my password. And sometimes it does that. I think it depends on, on when Google has been updated, Google Chrome, which is my default browser. So I thought nothing of it. You know, I would say it does that maybe once every month, once every three weeks. So I put my username and password in. And of course, Evernote is one of those services that I do need to remember the password. So I have two different types of passwords. I have the real random ones that I let one password deal with. And I have some that are very difficult, but I can remember them. So however I do that. So I typed it in and it spat it back at me and I did it again and it spat it back at me again. I thought I don't like the look of this because I knew it was right. But I thought well, just for good measure, I will open one password and I will copy and paste it. And I did. And it still didn't like it. And I started freaking out. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll open Evernote and I'll, I'll go to Evernote online. And I did. And again, it wouldn't let me in there. But I think I'd literally just at the exact time they reset the passwords. I think that was when I was trying to log in because there was nothing up there at that stage. And I was starting to freak out. And at that point, um, I realised I thought that, you know, there's something not right here. And I got taken to this password reset. And I thought, I wonder if this is genuine or not. So I did a search and I saw a lot of other people had the same problem and I thought it looks like they have done a global reset. So I tweeted it and I thought, I wonder why Evernote have said nothing. And 10 minutes later, they finally tweeted. I thought it would have been nice if you tweeted first rather than leave people. I suppose they're thinking, oh, you know, 10 minutes won't make much difference. But when you've got 50 million users, Evernote, it does. And, you know, some of us were actually sat there and you were working one minute and not working the next. So, um, yes, I, I reset that. That was a bit of a pain. That was one of those situations where every machine, every device needed it reset. And it wasn't just Evernote either. I don't know, in fact, if you finished resetting your passwords, have you? I've finished resetting mine, yeah. Are you sure? Mm. Yeah. Penultimate and Sketch on all devices. Oh, I forgot about that. Exactly. Clearly in every browser, it was actually a bit of a pain. So uh, here's hoping they don't have any more problems in the future. I'm not still not sure about global resets. I can appreciate the need for security, but then, of course, I have to change my password. And I'm less likely to remember what it was because the last one was emblazoned on my brain and the new one isn't quite there yet. I had that with uh, Dropbox. Ah, uh, now Dropbox, yes. I don't know my Dropbox password. It's in 1Password. Obviously, my 1Password's in Dropbox, so I've got a bit of a problem there. But um, I have a plan in place for Dropbox, but my Dropbox password is hideously complicated um, but it brought passwords to my mind again as did another experience and this one was just horrific um, th I'm going to call this the site that shall not be named I shouldn't really name them it was too horrendous um, I had been to this site many years ago I don't use it often anymore they're going to guess, aren't they? It's something to do with Windows. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not casting aspersions because it is um, to do with Windows. But what they'd done was, and I didn't even realise, they had auto-generated a password for me many years ago. And it was all numbers and it was very short. I think it was six characters, which is pathetic for a password. I had never even noticed that there was a password because whenever I went to this site, it was via a link and it automatically logged me in with the link. But um, I'd gone back to this site and I hadn't logged in. But what I was doing was I was making a purchase. So they sent me a confirmation with my invoice and they sent me a password in plain text in the email with the order. And I then realised by checking back at all the other orders, they've done that every time they send an order. 
So whenever you buy something, they send you a receipt and they put your password in it. This hideously simple thing. I thought, that's ridiculous. But when I logged into the site, it suggested that this password, well, it told me this password had been automatically generated and I should change it for security purposes. And I thought, you know what? They're quite right. I could not find anywhere to change this thing. It was a hidden option to change the password. Eventually, I did find it. So um, I created one of these complicated things and I tried to make them at least 20 characters. So I set it to 20 characters and um, I put the password in and it accepted it. It took, you know, when you put your password in, it says, please confirm. You put it, yeah. in, put it in another box and I did that and it confirmed it all and everything was fine. It logged me in. So there I was. But with my experience and what we've discussed on MacBytes, I thought, mm, I'll believe it when I see it. So the first thing I do is actually log out and then try to log back in again. Because I know some of them, they do log you in, but they automatically change your password if it's too long or something. So I logged out. In the meanwhile, I got an email from them confirming my password in plain text. Brilliant. It's great this so far, isn't it? It's all right, it gets better. <laughs> so I came to log in and um, I used one password and it wouldn't let me in. And I thought, just a minute, one password doesn't make mistakes. So what I did was I checked the password in one password. And of course, if anybody uses one password, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'd automatically generated a password. So one password saves that password for me. And then when I log into the site, it saves um, a record. So I end up with two different things saved in one password. So I checked the original password and it was 20 characters. I checked the one it had saved to actually log me in the site and it wasn't. It was 15 characters. And I thought, aha. Now it's obviously hosted on some system. I've had this before where 15 characters is the maximum. So I thought, fair enough. You've just knocked the five off the end then. Would have been nice if you'd told me though. Um, but at that stage, I thought, yes, but one password, surprisingly to me, um, because I'd never actually noticed this before, I must admit, I'd never really looked before. But what one password had actually done was knock the five characters off itself. So my original 20 character password was in the first thing that one password had saved. But in the actual entry for the site, it had been clever enough to know that the site had knocked the last five characters off. So fine. But it still wasn't letting me in. So at this stage, I checked the email that they'd kindly sent me my password in plain text and it was identical. So I thought, well, I don't know why this isn't working. So then what did I have to do? I had to request a password reset. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I wonder if they'll send me something in plain text. I wasn't wrong. That's exactly what they did. So I looked at what they'd sent me and it was indeed 15 characters long. And I compared it to what was in one password and it wasn't the same. So I thought, what have they done with this? So I'm checking literally character by character. And what they'd done was, what one password had done was say the first 15 characters. So it knocked the last five off, that was it. What they'd actually done was though, they'd instead of knocking the last five off, they'd taken the last six off and then changed the 15th character to a colon just for good measure to indicate they'd truncated it. Great. Wasn't that fabulous? Mm. So even one password was bamboozled because it had actually let me log in with the 15, first 15 characters. What it had then managed to do was change that last character. So at that point, I thought, well, I could go in and I could try doing it again. And I thought, I'm going to have to because the password that 
well you, by then I'd, I'd had it by the email twice and I thought and I have actually bought something from this site which I can honestly say I'll think seriously about not doing ever again so I did have to reset it again but at that point I thought I'm past caring whether I ever get back in here again or not that's just horrendously bad practice it's not good. I'm just going to set all mine back to password and have done. Do you know, I think that, that would actually be easier, wouldn't it? It's not good, though. I mean, you've got... I would like some sort of consistency with what you can and can't use. Actually, a completely different experience when I needed to reset my Microsoft password. I've had a Microsoft account since the year dot, and I must admit the password wasn't as secure as I would have made it now. But again, that's a password that I need to type in. So I'd very carefully chosen what I wanted and what I knew I could remember. And then when I came to change it, I thought this is going to be a nightmare because it's my Microsoft certified professional password. Um, it's my business's password to uh, partner services. It's actually my Microsoft Microsoft ID password and I thought I'm going to have to reset this a million times in a million more places and you know like when we used to reset your mobile me password I stopped doing mm. that it was that bad because everything stopped working you had to reset it in different places but I, I looked at it and I, I was about to part with cash again so that's the point I decide I will make it more secure and I did I thought well I'll go in and I'll I will reset it and if I have to reset it in in all those places I will and actually it was an almost pleasant experience. And considering it was Microsoft, I was more than surprised. Uh, I reset it in one place and everything updated, including SkyDrive, my business account, everything. It also told you that there was a maximum length for it, but they told you what it was. And they also indicated what characters you couldn't use. And there were quite a few characters that you couldn't use. And of course, I wanted characters that you could use that weren't letters or numbers. So I had to discount the ones that they told me and then find some others. But I managed to get something that was reasonably secure. So it was actually a reasonable experience for Microsoft. So some companies are doing it, I won't say right, but not as bad as others. But on to infinitely more interesting news. We have an updated infrastructure here at MacBytes headquarters, don't we? We certainly do. Ooh, it's exciting. In fact, I'm going to give it the Ooh. of the week. Yes, I missed it all, didn't I? It was all done and dusted by the time I got back. Yes, but I did leave the bill on your desk. That's very kind of you, yes. Yes, what we've done is we've finally bitten the bullet and moved up to fibre optic broadband. We'd been with um, our current provider, B, for... Oh, I think we a said six time. years. Yes, six years. Um, the speed hadn't actually improved, had it, all the while we'd been there. We got about nine to ten. The thing with B was, by comparison to our other services that we've had over the years, we were with Demon. B was very, very reliable. When it went down, which it did about two to three times a year, it was off for about two to three weeks. I noticed that their downtime always coincided with when BT were blitzing the area with leaflets about taking BT broadband. I thought you were going to say it coincided with the MacBytes episode. Oh, no, no. Few and far between. No, no, we mustn't upset Minster. No. Um, so I always thought it was too coincidental. Um, but the thing was, when you tried to get service, as with so many companies they weren't great that we were at the level of you turned it off and on again which got me from zero to 60 in about what half a second do we know it well by the time because when i report a fault i i give them chapter and verse over what i've already done and they of course they just don't seem to read it it's as though this is the first time 
this person's reported this, so I'll go back with this copied and pasted reply. Read what I have put. So what they do is that they sort of treat you with dumb insolence for about a week in the hope that it'll settle down. So customer service wise, I wouldn't say they were fabulous, but um, we had a secondary connection, so we were very, very lucky in that regard. So we'd reached the point with B that it was very, very stable, very reliable. And they never minded about the bandwidth that we pushed through it. So we were OK with them. And um, obviously we were tempted when we saw fantastic speeds like 100 meg. I didn't think we'd get anywhere near it, to be honest. I think you were of the same mind. Yes, they do tend to overpromise and underdeliver, don't they? They do. So I was thinking they set up to 100 and it was more likely to be around the 60 mark if we were incredibly lucky. But we started looking about 12 months ago and um, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, but I was completely disgusted with their customer service. I spoke to them once, which is unusual for me. I don't like the phone. Um, I, I couldn't get them past. Do you want to order it today? Which was when I handed them over to you. And you couldn't get them past that either, could you? No. And we gave up. Exactly. I mean, we we only had like a couple of questions. But I know the last time I spoke to them on the phone, um, it was they wanted you. They want you to sign up right now. I'm presuming they're on some kind of commission. And they don't want to answer any questions that you may have whatsoever. They also want you to take one of these you know the the package type deals you know we, we want you to take a phone line and tv stuff and broadband you know, she was flummoxed at the i don't have a tv reply bless her you know i don't think that's unusual these days we well i mean obviously the people think we're unusual but um you know the fact that you've got iplayer and the, everything else you don't need a tv well i agree but a lot of people gone are the days when it was just a tv you know people are buying huge screens now making virtually home cinemas and if you're into that kind of thing then great but you know we're not and it just seemed to throw people so i was just you know look we just want broadband it wasn't something they they could seem to understand so it was so poor we decided we'd wait a bit and um b kept promising that fiber optic was on the way it was on the way and then they got bought out by sky and we'd only just got rid of sky hadn't we yeah. So at that point, it was a case of I, I don't really fancy this. I don't I don't want to rely on it um, with what Sky will come up with, um, because they're going to want us to take TV again, aren't they? Not happening. So uh, we decided we would have to go back to Virgin Media and have another look round. And the website, just as the same as the call centre, is really geared to you taking. I think I priced up one offering of theirs at £125 a month. I mean, honestly, seriously, good grief. No, not happening. So um, we don't need a phone line. We don't need TV. So um, we finally found a way that you could turn all of that off. But it was so hidden, wasn't it? It took a few clicks, shall we well, say. Well, there were some buttons underneath and the buttons did nothing. But if you actually clicked on certain areas that gave no indication they were clickable, um, it turned off the extra options. So I managed to get a quote finally for just broadband. And um, they came and fitted it. I had four men fitting it. Don't we know? Which I thought was quite excessive myself. But it was the last one of the day, apparently. How many engineers does it take to change the light bulb? Well, there you go. Well, that I was there orchestrating, so maybe that's why they sent four of them. Mm. <laughs> Strength in numbers and all that. Yes, yeah, so uh, reputation goes before you. Yes, that's what everybody said on Twitter. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Um, but it went alarmingly well. I keep waiting for the other foot to fall. Uh, it was alarmingly well. I thought it would need time to settle down. And usually when you get this kind of thing in, you've got disconnects for days on end. 
I'm frantically clinging to my wooden desk. It's been fabulous. Um, it was fairly stable f f from about two hours in and uh, it's been up ever since. And it's fantastic downloading. I managed to download an update for my phone and uh, the 10.8.3 update, which was about 600, 700 meg because I got the combo update. And it downloaded in a minute and a half. It was fantastic. So uh, happy to recommend them at the moment, although I have heard from more than one source. Their customer service is no, no better than anywhere else. So I'm hopeful I will never need it. But I have a plan in case I do. Do you know what my plan is? Get metering them. I Well, yes, that, that was one of my plans. <laughs> That's one string to my bow. Yes, my other one is just go straight to the top and tweet Richard Branson. I mean, he's not doing anything else, is he? I'm no. assuming he's single-handedly working on the Virgin brand online. So hopefully we'll never need them. But uh, a definite ooh of the week there. Mm, love it. Is it my story now? Yes. Ah, OK. I'm going to do my famous spoil the story with a punchline. Oh, um, not again. Yeah, because as of today, it's actually a non-story. But um, I'm going to tell it anyway. A couple of weeks ago, I heard a song on the radio um, that I really liked called Clown by Emily Sunday. You've probably heard it. I have now. Yes. Several times. Yes. Um, well, Several I hundred times. Don't interrupt me. <clears throat> it's like the two Ronnies. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, I'm thinking Morecambe and Wise and you're the one with the short hairy legs. Carry on. Let me check. You're right. Mm. You've lost your place now, haven't no, you? No, I've not lost my place. I'm just waiting for you to compose yourself. I'm composed. Okay. Right, so this song. I found it on Spotify. It was part of an album. And um, even though I set it to repeat and play and play and play and play and play because I liked it so much. There's not that many songs that I do like that much, but this one I just did for no particular reason apart from I liked it. Um, it actually insisted on going to the next track on the album. So what I did is I created a playlist of just that one song and I played it on repeat. And after five plays, I got a message. It said that I played it five times and if I wanted to play it again, I'd have to buy the track or upgrade to Spotify Pro. So... I did some research and apparently um, free accounts of obviously um, I've got a free account. Um, if I didn't, they wouldn't be asking me to upgrade to pro, but free accounts, there were some restrictions and those restrictions were put into place in nearly two years ago, actually, April 2011. They only allowed um, 10 hours of listening per month and that came down from 20. I had no idea about this. I didn't. They didn't make um, that clear, did they? I know I've I mean, got a pro account, but even so. Yeah, I mean, there are no restrictions on pro accounts that I know of, and I say that I know of. Um, but to be honest, I don't use Spotify that much. Um, only when I find a song I like, which I don't have in iTunes, which isn't actually that often. And also a limit of five plays per song, and that is five plays per song ever. Not in a day, not in a close down Spotify restart it, but ever. Wow. Yeah. They must have snuck those two in behind the you've got to have a Facebook account thing. Mm. Don't mm. get diversionary tactics. Don't get Carrie started on that one. No, well, I don't like that either. But, no. uh, you know, that if they came in about the same time, and I bet it did, April 2011. That yeah. sounds about right. Everybody was focusing on the Facebook thing, mm. and I didn't notice that. Absolutely not. Now, March last year, so about a year ago, they actually announced lifting of that five. <laughs> five plays. Hmm? 
Are you still laughing in the background? <laughs> I'm just thankful it was five and not four, but please carry on. I'm going to get through this story. Uh, yes, they, they announced the lifting of the five place restriction, except in the UK and France. So you very kindly came to my rescue and let me listen to the song again and again and again on your pro account. But today they've announced the lifting of the five plays in the UK so I can go back to listen to it on my um, my free account forever Oh, and joy. Yes. And peace now reigns at my boy's headquarters. I'll wear my headphones. But you know this, you've done this before. You mentioned problems with Evernote and instantly it was fixed. I remember. You just prepared this. And before you could even speak it, they fixed it. Could you possibly mention I work for me? Go on. I, w- I work, I work, I work. Thank you. Oh, I live in hope if I die in despair. Yeah, that leads us very nicely, doesn't it? Yes, well, actually, I work. It gets better. I work pro. I was tormented by these miscreant MacBiters. Yes, Apple put um, a job announcement up uh, late last month looking for... I work pro engineers. Now, that concerned me, actually, to be honest, because I thought if you're only just looking for the engineers, how much longer is this going to be? But yes, Carrie and Gary and Minster all took to tormenting me with the news. Still no sighting of the lesser spotted I work, though. Well, you put yourself in the firing line. Did I? Yes, you talk about I work all the time, so... Only because we're overdue an update by three years. (laughs) Anyway, I have now... Finally given succumbed. Up. Yeah, I have actually, yes. I've completely given up. You know how I've I know I've given up. How? This'll come as a surprise. Okay. I've installed Microsoft Office 2011. It's alright, there's method in my madness. What I'm thinking is that's about the worst thing I could do. So the minute I do that, I'm hopeful of an imminent announcement. Yeah, right. Now obviously when when I say imminent, sometime before twenty twenty? Oh, yes, office licensing and subscriptions. It got very complicated in the last few weeks. Um, Microsoft launched their Office 365 subscription service, which a lot of Mac users think is just for Windows, but it's not. But along with that, they managed to sneak in some very sneaky changes. Um, You had Office 2011 for over a year, haven't you? Yeah. And you got the three-user license version. And I've used all my licenses. Yes, because you they need to be activated, but you can't deactivate them, which I think is ludicrous. Which was my problem with it, because um, if you re- even if your machine it's the same machine, if you need to rebuild it, which I've talked about doing, and I know you've talked about mm. doing with your laptop, um, then you need another license. Hence, there's three in the box. Uh, so that you're sorted for three Macs or three installs on the same machine, depending on how you look at it. But after that point, you... Now, I know we've had licensing issues with Windows versions, and we have this phone number, you ring this phone number, and it's either an automated system, and they'll just reset your license. But apparently not quite so eager to do that on the Mac side. And then they changed their terms and conditions completely, and the licensing became... They've done away with the three-user license version. It's now only one install, and it's one install on one piece of hardware, ever. So if you want it on another Mac, it's not a case of deactivating and moving it. It's a case of actually buying it again. 
And if something happens with your machine, so maybe you've got Apple Care and you've sent it back for a hard drive replacement or something like that, and the checksum, which is how they compare whether it's on the same machine or not, changes, then you're going to need to pay again, which I thought was incredibly harsh. Now, I don't agree with activated software, never have done. I don't understand why it can't just be linked to your ID with them. So your Apple ID or your Microsoft ID or whatever. Um, but during this time as well, these licensing changes, people are saying are going to, people are going to be running headlong to Google Docs. But of course, the change only came into force at the same time as the subscription service. So I thought, saw it far more pushing people towards a subscription. Uh, also, at the same time, there was um, great problems with the pricing. Apparently, um, the, all the software, both Microsoft and Adobe, is much more expensive in Australia which we had seen a video of. Remember I showed you that video of Shantanu? Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, for those who don't know, Shantanu is um, Adobe's CEO. And, um, well, well, he may have skills in certain areas. I can honestly say communication <laughs> isn't one of them. No. <laughs> um, he went over to open an Adobe office in Australia. I think it was Sydney. Um, and, OK, he was there to open an office. But he surely must have known, given the story of the week was about Australian pricing, that he would face questions about it. And the question was nothing to do with Creative Cloud. So just like Microsoft have Office 365 and it's a cloud-based subscription service, Adobe have Creative Cloud and that is a cloud-based subscription service. But people were interested in the pricing and not particularly how much it was, which is bad enough. Creative Suite is very expensive, but how much more expensive it was in Australia. And um, he faced the question. The question came out and it was being recorded. And what was the answer like? We've got to put a link to that in the show notes. It was ludicrous. I think the piece was about four minutes long. And I know Paul Shadwell watched it and he couldn't get over it. He just point blank refused to even seem to understand the question. Is that what you took from it? Well, that's, uh, I thought he was being evasive. He looked shifty. He was. He was being completely evasive. Uh, he All he would talk about was what great value the Creative Cloud was. And it is good value. Um, in my opinion, the Creative Cloud at the moment with the discount, which is sort of a, um, a first version discount, is very good value. Whether I would deem it to be the same value if the price was the full subscription price, I don't know. Um, but he just refused point blank to answer. And it, it was like watching a slimy politician. He just kept coming back to the fact that Creative Cloud was it was a good deal. In the end, the journalist said, look, I don't know of another way to word this. And behind Shantanu, there was this guy and he was obviously his minder for the day. And what was his face like? <laughs> if you watch the video, watch it twice. And the second time, just watch the guy behind Shantanu. He looked so uncomfortable, just didn't deal with it at all. But they came up with a fantastic idea for themselves. Um, if the Australians were about to instigate an investigation into the pricing differential, they would deal with it. They would change the price. So what they've done is they've put the price up for the rest of the world. Isn't that fantastic? Mm, wonderful. Yeah, I wasn't too keen either. The, the journalists made some fantastic points that it's a, you know, it, that there is not, not well, look, the cloud-based subscription service is global. And therefore, there shouldn't be a differentiation in prices other than local taxes. So we all know in the UK about VAT. 
don't get me going on VAT. But, you know, we all know about that. But the pricing difference here in some cases was 38, 40% uh, that had nothing to do with local taxes. And he didn't actually use the infamous phrase, what the market will bear, but I think he was veering towards it slightly. Um, but no, you must watch that video. It's absolutely fantastic. So um, Microsoft, in the meanwhile, with the licensing, it's caused such an outcry. Now, this licensing where it's per machine is the boxed product. So it's really penalising those who still want a boxed product. Now, I'm not too concerned whether I have a boxed product anymore. Um, both my I, I, well, all my Apple stuff that comes from the Mac App Store is obviously cloud-based and my Creative Suite is Creative Cloud, so that's cloud-based and my Office 365 subscription is cloud-based, so I'm not overly concerned but I can understand there are businesses out there that just don't want a cloud-based service, they want the box product and um, I think it's a little bit too soon to be penalising them to that extent I don't know what goes on at work with you, but I can't see them galloping lovingly towards the cloud yet they are looking at it, actually. Yes, but looking at it. Mm. Anyway, after that, it all became a moot point because they then bin the box product. So, having got parity with the prices, they then decided to bin it totally. So, a good time for software. Not. But I thought I'd have to have a weekly... Oh, did I say weekly? Steady on. E ep episodically. Episodic. Uh, another mountain lion niggle. Uh, this one's... You're probably not seeing it. But what I'm finding is um, I have a journaling app called Day One and um, works great most of the time. But um, I'm seeing that it isn't synchronising properly. And the only thing that makes it synchronise properly is to reboot my Mac. So my iOS devices tend to synchronise, but the Mac, not so. So what I decided to do was um, go in and actually look at my data. Um, so this was me actually looking at my iCloud data on my Mac. There is a, a mobile files folder that I went in to have a look at. Oh, big mistake. Wow, have you ever seen it? No. Apparently, it should be fairly obvious what's what in there. Um, there's long folder names, but you should be able to see these are your numbers files and these are your Word files. The only problem was uh, I've been using day one for about 14, 15 months, and there seemed to be one separate file for every journal entry of which there's over 500. Big mistake to go looking in there. So uh, I have solved that problem and I shall share that next time. But uh, yes, that was my mountain lion niggle of the week. My iCloud's not synchronising properly. But that wasn't all I broke, was it? No, you broke a few more things this week. Do you know, BusyCal must be sick of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did it again, I broke BusyCal. But I don't think it was me. It was one of those odd time zone issues, wasn't it? Yes. They brought out a new version. I've got the Mac App Store version. And the problem with the Mac App Store version, of course, is if there's a problem with it, you're going to wait two to three weeks for an update. And this was a showstopper for me. Luckily, I wasn't relying on a time capsule to roll back. Thankfully, I did keep a copy. Uh, if it's an important app to me, before I update, so I run the, the Mac App Store app and, you know, it says there's a new version of BusyCal. And the first thing I do is go back to my apps folder. I make a zipped copy, so um, I archive the old version and I move that zip file off my main hard drive. Then I update and if there's a problem, then I can roll back. But I do think it's about time the App Store had a rollback feature because this one was horrific. Um, for me, I work in different time zones. I'm very comfortable with time zones. I don't have a problem with them. Sadly, BusyCal did. 
what was happening was I, I have Tuesday and Thursday are very, very busy days for me. So I had sort of eight events listed on a day and I was adding a couple more and I was changing the time zone they were in. And one of these events wasn't even mine. It was yours uh, on a shared calendar. That's right. Blame me. Well, no, it was a case of um, it changed on my machine that updated yours. So uh, it was sort of a, a ripple problem occurred. Yes, what happened was um, everything was fine until I put in the correct time zone. So I was changing it maybe from UK time to Pacific time, at which point it did change and everything was fine with that one. But sadly, it changed all the other events on that day. And every time I did it, it changed them to different times. So it was random as well it was horrible so i had to make a video showing what was happening because you couldn't i mean i've tried to explain it there but can you imagine getting on to, to support with that i changed one event and it changes all the others you'd be laughed out of the place so I, I made a video and i sent it off and luckily they managed to come back with a beta version that did fix the problem so i was using the beta version until um the app store version was updated in the store but that in, in itself gave me a problem. So we're back to sort of problems regarding the Mac App Store that over two years on with the App Store, they've still not really addressed. I was using this version, which was not a Mac App Store version at this point. It was a beta version given to me directly from the developer and it was working fine. But of course, when I went into the Mac App Store and I, I did know that BusyCal had been updated, as far as my machine was concerned and the App Store was concerned, that version just wasn't on there. I didn't have BusyCal installed because it wasn't a Mac App Store version with the Mac App Store receipt attached to it. So again, luckily I had kept the other version. So I was able to take away the version that the developer had given me and replace it with the one that was broken and then update that one. But that's a bit much for your average user who just wants to update something, isn't it? Mm, definitely. I really think they need to sort something out with that. I could have, of course, app zapped it or app deleted it, but that would have taken all my data and settings with it. I didn't want to do that either. If they ever get to a point where they, you know, like they have with a library where they stop us having access mm. to um, the, the app folder, yeah, I, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm Back gone. To Windows. I just don't think I could work like that because, you know, software, I, I managed to break it all the time and of course that was before it was do not copy and paste week mm, you better remind listeners what that is do not copy and paste week only this time it's do not copy and paste three weeks um oh it must be easy three years ago now it was in the first version of busy cal and i found a problem if you're using um what's it called now calendar from apple it used to be called ical and um, if you were using ical then you had an event and it was outside that period when America have changed their time zone and we haven't. So they've gone daylight saving and we haven't. So I had some events and they were at sort of, um, they were 10 o'clock Pacific, which would normally be six o'clock Pacific, six o'clock GMT here. And I noticed when I copied and pasted them, they automatically got changed to five o'clock. So everything was fine. And then I went to BusyCal and I did the same. And BusyCal doesn't do that. Instead of changing it from six o'clock UK to five o'clock UK, it changed it from 10 o'clock Pacific to 11 o'clock Pacific, which to me is totally the wrong way around. You'd never do that because the real time of the event is 10 a.m. Pacific. 
so it's broken. It doesn't work. So we had another video sent backwards and forwards and I, I did a comparison with what iCal was doing and what Google Calendar was doing and BusyCal just will not do it right. And the guy said, that's a huge thing. It would need a complete rewrite. So what I do, because I, I, I put up with that, even though it is broken, um, what I do I make a note of when America changed their time zones. I make a note of when we change ours. And then I put an event in that says do not copy and paste. And it goes right across my calendar. So at the moment, I've got a three week long event that says do not copy and paste events. Now, you will only see this in certain circumstances, so it won't affect the majority of people. But when you'll see it is when you have an event uh, outside that three week period that you have scheduled and you copy and paste it into that three week period and it's in another time zone and they have changed to daylight saving. So there's a lot of caveats before you will see the problem. But if you if you are missing appointments because they've gone and you're an hour late, that could well be why. So um, we are in do not copy and paste three weeks and it's driving me mad because I do have a lot of repeating appointments. Um, so I'm there and we're scheduling on the phone and I can't just copy and paste it. I have actually got to recreate it or, and there is another way around it, I can set the time back to the original time. So, so it's 10 o'clock Pacific. I've got it set to Pacific in the time zone. If I change that to UK and then copy and paste it and then change it back to Pacific, it will actually work. But it's horrible. You've got to triple check everything. So I'd love, I'd love for that to be fixed, but I don't see it getting fixed anytime soon. So that's do not copy and paste week when I broke. Busy Cal. Then Evernote broke. I'm sure this isn't me, you know. You mean you broke Evernote? No, I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't. No. No, Evernote for iOS started crashing on startup with an update, which was terrible. So that needed um, uninstalling and reinstalling. So that was the first thing. Then Evernote for Mac has been doing some strange things for quite a while. Um, the first thing I noticed was when you copy and paste a link from a browser, um, so actually the URL bar of the browser, you paste it in and it should be a link and it wasn't. Now, you can make any text a link in Evernote. You select the text and you go up to add a link to it. Um, I've got a shortcut key for that, which is Command and K. But it's, it's a lot longer. You know, you, what you really want to do is just copy and paste. And I thought, is this me? And another version along, and it was random. It wasn't quite as bad. Sometimes it did make a link. Then I realised it was making a link from Chrome, but not from Firefox and not from Safari. So I, I was being driven mad by this. So what I did was I, I used a Keyboard Maestro, which is a fabulous app to fix that problem. But you shouldn't really have to, should you? You know, you want to see added new features. You don't want to see the stuff that's already there break. The next thing that happened was um, they broke a shortcut key that I use all the time, but I bet you don't. I'd programmed in a shortcut key to make a new Evernote note, and it was a global key. So Evernote didn't need to be running. I just used this shortcut and it made me a new Evernote note. Now, you probably run Evernote first and then make a note. I do. Mm. Yes, that's what I ended up doing. And that drove me round the bend as well. So I had to make another keyboard maestro macro that sorted that problem out. Uh, apparently that one broke when they added Quick Note. I bet you're not using that either, are you? No. Quick Note is a new feature. Uh, you know the elephant in the menu bar? Yeah. There's an option now if you click the elephant to add a Quick Note and you can put, add a note from the menu bar, which is a nice feature. 
And they'd added a shortcut in for that and that had broken the other one. Another thing I noticed was that was really erratic in terms of when people could see it. A lot of people, because I was searching the forums to see what the problem was, were saying that, you know, I've updated it. It's the right version when I look at about, but I haven't got this quick note feature. Luckily, I did have, but I did have to uninstall and reinstall. That was when the note links broke. You won't have noticed that either, will you? No. I, I get the feeling I'm alone in this. Mm, I think you in are. In my despair. I I don't know how many people actually use this, but Evernote has kind of wiki links in it. If you have a note showing in Evernote and you have your notes listed either above or as the cards at the side, you can create a kind of index to a range of notes just by dragging and dropping the notes into the note. Or that's the theory. What used to happen was it created a link that was green. So normal links are blue. They indicate they are web links. Evernote internal links were green. And the text of the link was the title of the note. And it was fantastic. Not only that, but you could add in multiple notes. So you could drag five notes from the list into another note and it would create five Evernote links for you. It was fantastic to create in effect, a wiki within Evernote. And I use that all the time. And they've broken it. Now what it does is just totally bizarre. It's insane. If you drag and drop one note, you get um, a link. But it is a file link. It does take you to the right place. But the link text is as long as your left leg. And it's all the internal Evernote link. So gone is the nice link. And it's also blue, not green. So you can't tell that it's an internal link. And if you drag and drop more than one note, you just get one link. And where that link goes is going to be one of the links you've dragged and dropped, but it's going to be pretty random. That is slowing me down something chronic. So uh, two updates later and it's still broken. It can't just be me. I think it is. No, no, no. I mean, it's globally broken, but surely there are more people out there who notice these things than just me. Well, maybe if anyone has, they should get in touch with you. Yes, we'll start a support group. Mm. But then it got worse. At least Evernote's still with us. You know what I'm going to come on to, don't you? Sadly, yes, Google, right again. Sunsetting, no, wait for it, has been replaced by spring cleaning. You couldn't make this up, could you? No. I don't know why they bother. Do you remember Don't Be Evil? I don't. Oh, it was um, Google's sort of tagline. It's in. It's actually in their code of conduct. Don't be evil. No, nobody reads code of conduct. They should. They should read their own. They drive me mad. They really do. They they put out a service and you get pervasive adoption because it's free and the competition can't compete with free, can they? No. Everybody's heard of Google and how it's free and it just works and it's fantastic. And in effect, it was a platform. Google Reader to me wasn't an app. How often did you go into Google Reader? Um, not a lot. No, the interface was horrific. That was the problem for me. But it was virtually a platform because every other RSS app that I used used Google Reader to sync. So I remember actually setting up this Google Reader account and thinking, this interface isn't good, but I'm not going to worry about it because I don't intend to use it. And like I say, the competition can't compete with free. Not not if the free whatever it is does just work. And it did. So 
I don't think actually I'd have paid for something because I don't see anybody being able, while Google had Google Reader, to come up with something that would have been as pervasively accepted as Reader was. So I used Reader as well. Then, of course, nobody else bothers because if they can't make a living at it, then you get a lack of innovation. And then Google have the audacity to claim it's outdated technology. Nobody's developing for it anymore. Yes, I know. Do you know why? Because you've killed it. Um, some people have said it was outdated, but I love my RSS feeds. I, I do. I never actually got into RSS. I, I, I set up a couple, um, but I was never disciplined enough to go and look at them every day. And by the time I did, you had like 3,000 unread items in each feed, so I just gave up. But, you know, I use Zyte, I use Flipboard. If there's a big story, then it will be on Twitter. I just don't feel the need to um, follow uh, RSS feeds. And, you know, um, I've always got Outlook at work if I really want to. Oh, dear me. There's a, <laughs> a definition of desperation. Um, I can see where you're coming from. If the feeds that I were following were the mainstream ones, but... I was using RSS to follow sort of individual, I'd, I'd probably say smaller blogs rather than the mainstream, because like you're saying, I'm going to be bombarded with that anyway. But just as with sort of the mainstream media, normal media, rather than tech media, most of the popular stuff is just rampant speculation, you know, because it's the only way once you get to that peak of people know you to stay popular. You've got to be provocative. You've got to be edgy. I mean, I, I watch anyone. <laughs> Have Apple mentioned a watch? Has anybody mentioned a watch? Anybody other than, you know, the tech gods? Oh, please, no more. Only after the mythical big screen Apple TV has launched. Very true. Um, I find far more erudite analysis from, I'd say, less well-known people, for which Reed piped and overhyped. Um, there's also been a million what-to-use-now-Google-reader-is-dead posts. And there was a blast from the past in there. In fact, there was a couple. Net Newswire. I remember me venting about Net Newswire. I remember that uh, early on, yeah. Yes. Well, I'd paid for it and I was quite happy to do so. And then they brought out version two. It went free. You had to use Google Reader. Um, and then to remove the adverts, you had to pay again. That wasn't happening either. Apparently, it's still there. Um, and there were iOS apps for Net Newswire too. Uh, I didn't get those, but now they've disappeared. So that looks a bit um, not quite cutting edge, shall we say. I was then surprised to find out Grummel is still going. We looked at Grummel. I, I did use that. Um, I didn't like the interface. To. Oh, no, it's a horrible interface. And it, it messed up my feed, some of something rotten. Terrible, terrible interface. Well, I think at the time it was a beta. I'm not sure if it ever did actually get released. It was seemed to be one of those perpetual betas. But yes, it's still there. And I can honestly say the interface isn't much improved. And then there was another one that I saw in beta. There was a blast from the past. In fact, MacBytes episode 28, to be precise. So with so much inaction in the space, when I'd heard Browett had got a new job, I was convinced it must be head of innovation at Google. He claimed he wasn't a good fit at Apple, but um, head undertaker at Google would be perfect, surely. Definitely. Well, here's hoping that um, the sad demise of Google Reader does bring some innovation. But 
talking of a lack of competition. Mm. Couple of keynotes while we've been away. Yes, not iWork, obviously. But um, Sony and Samsung had some keynotes. Seriously, what the? Don't make me bleep you. You wouldn't dare. Heck, what the heck? Um, Sony were talking about something or other, some gamey thing or other. Two hours of games demos. Uh, I didn't see all of that one, but apparently I was following it on Twitter and apparently there was no product. Vaporware, a Vaporware keynote. Nice. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, I did manage to, um, what's the word? Suffer? Endure? Mm, I went to bed. Mm. You you were right. Uh, Samsung. It seemed, I won't say two hours plus, it seemed like an eternity of a very poor Broadway show. I was speechless. That doesn't happen often. Oi. If you've not seen it, all I can say is do go and take a look at the um, well highlights. That'll take 10 seconds. Uh, maybe a little bit more than the highlights of the thing. Um, there was a lot of talk about it being sexist. I can honestly say I wasn't offended in terms of sexism. I thought it offended everybody. If you were human, I thought it would offend you. It was dreadful. I, I was sat there thinking, can you imagine if this was an Apple event? I do hope no one was watching thinking that that was a good idea. It was sort of, a, it was like a Broadway show with what looked like um, a, a multi-storey car park made out of scaffolding with dancers and things and half-naked men. It was very strange. Well, that's where the sexist bit came in, was it? They had women dancing around, um, sort of drinking and, and painting their nails. So it, it was it was like a 50s sketch, to be honest, but it didn't work for me. I'm, I'm guessing it was supposed to show the features of the phone. I can honestly say I'd totally forgotten that they were advertising <laughs> a phone. I was just sat there thinking, can this get any worse? And I can confirm, yes, it did, as it carried on. Um, I ended up with um, some commentary from CNET. Uh, they do sort of live coverage, and um, they'd sent along a reporter... And uh, this reporter had got hands-on with the phone after the event and they'd done a very brief overview of you. This is the phone, hold it up to the camera, uh, telling you the specs, what was new and all the rest of it. And I learnt more in that sort of two-minute clip than the rest of the thing put together. And um, they were laughing in the studio that, you know, and this was a woman. They'd sent a woman along to do this. It was terrible. <laughs> it, it defied belief. It was absolutely terrible. But um, we must remember next time Apple give us a couple of games demos that we must grin and bear it because the alternative is much, much worse. I'm glad I went to bed. You got the best mm. of that deal by a long way. But now time for the app review. I shall hand over to you. Thank you. OK, um, today... I'm going to talk about accessing PSTs on a Mac. So, what is a PST? Let me give you a bit of a bit of a background. In the corporate world, I've probably lost most of you already, haven't I? That was a bit like Jack and Ori. Go on. <laughs> In the corporate world, the uh, most popular email calendar contact system is Exchange Server, and every user has a mailbox which is stored on the server. This this is relevant, by the way. Is I'll it? Talk more about why it's relevant shortly. Um, yeah, the mailbox stores the user's email, uh, calendar contacts, and each mailbox has a maximum size. Now, users access their mailbox using uh, desktop client, usually Outlook. And many companies implement some kind of archiving system where mails are automatically moved out of the mailbox and into an archive when they reach a, a certain age. But some companies... Um, 
if you don't have an archiving system, when your mailbox becomes full, you've got to delete the mails in order to continue to receive and send. So this presents a problem for people who like to keep all their emails. And we know, don't we? Oh, there we do. people out there who say, my emails are my life's work. Sad. And also for those people that work in companies where you're forced to keep all your emails. I must admit, I do keep all my emails and I do have a whole range of PSTs from my, my days on Windows. Yeah. Now, with, 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 you know, with Gmail, you can just keep all your emails. And, and with PSTs as well, you can keep all your emails. The trouble with the but, PST is, though, I, I could only keep one for a month before it really slowed down. Mm. So for every year that I was using Outlook, I have 12 PSTs. Yeah. Finding a mail's tricky. Well, like like you say, if you you can't just live with one PST. Um, if you have twelve PSTs, then you can just close down the ones you're not using at the time. And if you need to refer to a mail um, later, you can open it again. Mm -hmm. But um, this is where PSTs come in. And for those of you who don't know what they are, um, a PST is a file that's accessed via Outlook, but isn't actually part of a user's mailbox. It can live on um, a shared drive, it can live on a server, but it usually lives on the user's local drive. And it stores emails, it stores calendars, it stores appointments, and it stores contacts. So think of it as like extra storage information. Um, so that when users fill up their mailbox, they create a PST from inside Outlook, or they open up an existing PST file and just drag and drop emails from the mailbox to the PST. Now, for home users and for users in companies that use Outlook but don't have an Exchange server, PSTs are actually the only option for storing mail, calendar and contacts. Didn't Outlook Express make PSTs? I think it did. Mm, I never used Express, but I do believe it did. Mm. So a lot of users could have a lot of those files. Yeah. So, why does this concern Mac users? Well, let's look at it from a personal point of view. When I first switched to a Mac, um, I had lots of PSTs on my Windows PC, very much like you've just said. Um, I implemented a similar system to you. Funnily enough, it was your idea. Yeah, really? <laughs> yes, there's a surprise. But um, I had one PST per month to make, just to make sure that the size of the PSTs remained reasonable because as well as slowing it down, although Microsoft actually say a PST can be up to two gig in size, or at least the, the old formats ones that we were using could, it's actually recommended that you keep it under about 500 meg because anything over that you could end up with uh, corrupted PST files. So at the start of each month, I'd create a new PST and that's where the mail would be stored for that month. On the upside, Inbox Zero was easy, wasn't it? It was, yeah. First of the month was fabulous. <laughs> Drag and drop, yeah. Now, in order to be able to read the old emails on my Mac, I used a program called O2M. Um, it's a Windows program. It's from a company called littlemachines.com. And I used that to export my PSTs into a format that Apple Mail, iCal and Addressbook can read. I reviewed this actually way back in MacBytes episode two. Minstrel know that one intimately. Yes. <laughs> uh, the files that were produced by O2M were imported into Apple Mail and the PSTs were then just left on an archive drive, unlikely to be needed again. Actually, that's not quite true because due to the sheer number of PSTs, I think I only converted the most recent ones over to uh, to Apple. So I've still got somewhere 
Um, not on floppies, I don't think. But <laughs> I do uh, hope not. <laughs> I've still got somewhere many PSTs that can only be opened by Outlook. Now, where I work, I've got a PST that contains personal emails that have been sent to my work email address and work-related emails that I'd like to keep. Just stuff like thank you emails and nice feedback emails. Um, and I know I could convert these to PDFs, but that to me is one of those jobs that you never get quite round to doing, taking all your old emails and PDFing them. That's just sad. It is it's sad, like stamp but, collecting. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've, I've probably upset half the listeners now. If you're into stamp collecting, I respect that. <laughs> and you've apologised most And I apologise most profusely. So if and when I ever leave my current employer, what I'd like to do is be able to copy the PST onto a pen drive or stick it in a Dropbox and, and then open it at home on my Mac. Now, to be fair, I'm unlikely to want to refer to the emails and the PSTs on a regular basis, but... I can tell you that there have been several times in the past few years when I've needed to do just that and it's been a case of firing up a virtual machine, copying the PST file across and opening it up. Although I have Office for Mac, I have the version that excludes Outlook and in any case from the research I've done on the subject, Outlook 2011 actually handles PST files poorly. Either it's not able to import them at all, or at best it imports snippets of content, whatever that means. My experience, Outlook handles PSTs badly. <laughs> Never mind 2011. <laughs> Very true. Um, but what if you don't have Windows, either on a physical PC or a virtual machine? Shocker! Mac Podcast! Shocker! <laughs> don't have Windows! <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Mustn't interrupt. Well... The uh, application that I use um, is called PST Bridge and it's two applications in one. It's actually a converter and a viewer. So if you need to continue to use Outlook, um, so like me at work, but you want to be able to access your PSTs from your Mac, then use PST Bridge Viewer, which reads the PST file directly so that you don't have to constantly import and export as the content of the PST changes. To view the contents of the PST, what you do, you run PST Bridge, you select File Open and choose the PST. Now, the interface is very similar to Outlook. There's a folders panel on the left-hand side which displays all the folders from the PST, including your calendar, your contacts, your notes and your tasks, as well as all the folders that contain emails. And when you click on a folder, the contents are displayed in a list in the main part of the app. For mail, there's even a preview pane below the list. You can print an email, you can reply, you can forward, all within, all from within, PST Bridge, you just click the appropriate button on the toolbar and it actually fires up Apple Mail. Now I've got a postbox on my Mac and it's still fired up Apple Mail. I don't think there's a way of configuring it to use a different uh, mail client. If you want to migrate your PST content, then you can use the PST Bridge exporter and emails are exported to .mbox files, which can then be imported into Apple Mail, Postbox, or any other mail client. Contacts are exported as vCard files to import into a dress book, and appointments are imported directly into iCal, or Calendar as it now is. PST Bridge is a free app, but to be of any use, you really need to splash the cash using the in-app purchases. 
I know you don't like in-app purchases. No, I don't. But uh, the free version will only allow you to view and export the first 10 items in each folder. Um, the full version of the viewer costs £13.49, whilst the full version of the exporter costs £7.99. Do you actually have to pay for both? Um, I think you do. Hmm, devious. Yeah. Um, well, it can be downloaded from the Mac App Store. There's, um, there's a totally unlocked version, which is also available from their website for £19.90. So you do save a couple of quid there. There are a couple of other apps as well um, in the same sort of genre. There's PST Converter Pro, which converts the contents of PST files to a wide range of common formats, including Mbox, Vcard, iCal and Apple Mail. Um, also Entourage Archive and .eml. Um, and I think EML, I've forgotten what EML is for. That. An EML is if you drag a mail out of postbox that's and right. stick it on your desktop so it's an individual yeah, mail that's item. That's right. I've seen it in Outlook, I think. No, Outlook's an MSG file, but yeah. Um, that costs £13.49 from the Mac App Store. And another one is called Mail Monkey. And that converts the email in a PST file to an EMLX format, which is used by Apple Mail and various other Mac clients. And that costs 69p. Mm. Is it a case of you get what you pay for? Is the £69 one rather good? Yeah, I think it it is a case of what you, you get what you pay for. Uh, I mean, PST Bridge, whilst it is you know, the, the, the more expensive one, um, does have all the features. I think for me it would be the fact that you don't actually have to convert them, that you could just look at them. Yeah, that's a, that's a definite benefit. Because I'd keep the PSTs anyway, because they're the originals. So even if I did convert them, I'd keep the originals. So it's a way of just looking at them and knowing you're not going to delete or edit anything. Mm. Because they're reference only. They're not my life's work. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, just for reference. Oh, that's rather cool. I must admit, I still have all the PSTs and I haven't looked at them in over six years. I should probably do something about that. Hmm. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't think of mail that way. If it's a receipt or something important, then I'm going to make a PDF of it. Oh, if not straight away, then, you know, within the week. So I don't tend to have to go back to my email very often. I must admit, it's very handy. I have mine through Gmail. So it's very handy to be able to do a search online. Um, if I'm looking for a mail, I do tend to go to the website and use Google because the local search, not great. But uh, I always seem to find what I'm looking for if I do a search via the uh, Gmail web, web client. So uh, I tend to do that. But yes, quite useful that for all my old stuff, should I ever need it. OK, it's time for feedback and comments. And we heard from Billy Walker, who says, I'm at work and surrounded by hundreds of BT subscriber hotspots. However, I cannot get access to any due to my location. Not a problem for iPhone, but my iPod touches the device with 6.1 on it. The 3G is only 4.2. I've heard you talking about a MiFi and I was wondering how it worked. Is it a dongle or is it a Wi-Fi base station? If it's a dongle, it's of no use. Tar, Billy. So great to hear from you, Billy. And a MiFi is more like a Wi-Fi base station. You're quite right with that. It's not a dongle, although it can be used plugged into a computer if you need it to be. But really, it is there to create a Wi-Fi network for you. It's a smallish device, about the size of um, a packet of cigarettes, I'm guessing. I wouldn't know I don't smoke. <laughs> oh, no, let's not go there. Right. Um, 
and what you put in it is uh, a, a sim just like you would put in a phone uh, the benefit of using that over because although my ipad has uh, 3g you've never had one with 3g have you no so we take a MiFi with us when we go out and it creates your own private network for up to five devices. So it's great for transferring uh, files between devices. And also, as you've found there that, you know, in your case, it's a phone, but the, the 3G's only got 4.2 on it, etc. You don't really have to worry about any of that with a MiFi. Um, you're not relying on sort of... Um, on tethering or anything like that. So you don't really need much in the way of support with a device. Uh, I've not found a device that doesn't work with it yet. So you usually access it via a web browser. So uh, when you get your MiFi, it will give you basic instructions. It will give you um, an IP address. So you turn it on, it creates a Wi-Fi network. You use the IP address to get into the management utility, and then you can set it up. So you can change the name of the network. You can change the password, whether it's secured or not. Uh, and all those kind of things. And then it's literally just a matter of turning it on. And I would say it takes maybe a minute or so to, um, it has lights on it where the one we've got goes up to, I think it's eight meg. So it's not a bad connection either. It takes about a minute to warm up and then it automatically connects and you're good to go. Now you use it more than I do actually, don't you? Yeah, did you say about how many devices it can connect to? I did, I said five devices. Yeah. So, you know, I might stick it on my desk at work and then I can connect my iPhone to it and my iPad to it and of course anybody else in the office who's also got um, well not just an iPad or an iPhone but any Wi-Fi enabled device will be able to see it but as long as I don't give them the password they won't be able to nick off with my uh, data allowance. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. We've got, I think it's three gig a month. Three gig. I was going to say three meg then, but yeah. Uh, no, I sincerely hope not. <laughs> three gig. Yeah, not with what I've been putting through Virgin since we got it put in. Oh, if I had to think about how much I downloaded, that would never do. So uh, we have three three gig uh, and ours is on Virgin. Well, we've been with them. We tried three. Uh, we tried that. Was that at the very beginning? It was, yeah. wasn't it? And um, it was great out of the house sadly in the house nothing absolutely nothing we couldn't even get the blue dot of which you talk mm. at, at work so but the three signal was fantastic everywhere else it was really fast so uh, that was why we went with virgin because we we figured we had i've got a pay-as-you-go vodafone thing and we're with o2 and we wanted another one we wanted it to be a backup so we went with virgin and we've had i think the only problem we had was after the contract we signed up for was it 18 months or 12 months 12 i think i can't remember um, but after that time they they started doing weird things with you didn't they as it were yes they wanted to was it put the price up or go in another contract i can't remember but we wanted it to just carry on just to turn into a monthly thing um but of course i think now i'd be prepared to try something like a gift gaff sim and and do a sort of pay as you go on it i don't think i would actually use it that much what i've tended to do um i have got 3g but on my ipads but i don't tend to use it that much if i'm out i kind of just now accept um it, it focuses me nicely but uh, it, it does work very very well because i've got an ipod touch now as well um and i thought i'd find that quite limiting i didn't go for the iphone 5 i thought i'll get the form factor with the ipod touch and see how i go with it and it's brilliant I'm using the MiFi when I'm out with it and it works very, very well. So the dongle aspect of it, no, it's not a dongle. But what I did with it, um, just pretty good tip this to give it extra life. Uh, the one we've got, I'll 
try and get the model number and put it in the show notes. But the one we've got charges with a standard um, Kindle charger. So it's a USB style thing, not the very, very, I think it's a very small one, isn't it? It's a small, it's I'm not the very sure tiny it, one, but it's, it's not the, one, the really tiny one, one but it's that. not the normal sized USB either. It's sort of in the middle. And what I did was, um, if you go on sort of Amazon or any of these sites, you can get uh, emergency chargers for a Kindle or a phone that uses that socket. What I did was I got two of those. Um, you get about four hours battery life from the MiFi. And I took these two emergency batteries with me. And if I'm going out for the entire day and I want it on all day, then if I can't plug it in, I've got these two like emergency battery packs and I just plug one of those in and it just carries on and it, it has lasted all day. I don't think when we've been out with it and we've been out for probably about 15 hours, I don't think it's ever gone flat on me. Um, I just plug one of these things and carry on. So I'd highly recommend a MiFi just, just really to have one even if you um, didn't take the contract up every month if you went pay as you go or something but it works in the way you're thinking of a wi-fi base station and uh, yes it works with my 3g as well i think you've had a 3g on it yeah it works with my 3g yeah it works i think it would work right back to uh, anything that supports wi-fi one of the other benefits with it is that your your device does think it's on wi-fi even though it's actually uh, sort of a mobile connection. So if your phone can only do, or your device can only do something, if it's connected to Wi-Fi, then with a MiFi, it thinks it is. So uh, that's another tip for it, but uh, can highly recommend those. We got an unlocked one, and I think it's now around 90, 95 pounds, something like that. And it, we've had it, must have it three years now, something like that. I think it's, just, yeah, it's about three years. And uh, we haven't even got another battery for it. So uh, it's been ra rather, rather useful, that. Definitely. Um, but I definitely get another one of that make because it has lasted well. Uh, the battery lasts well. It's standard. You can also put in the one we've got a tiny card in the back. So sort of a micro SIM. And what you can do with that is you can back up to it on the road. So if you put something like a 16 gig one in, you could back up your photos to it as well. So the, the SIM goes in the MiFi, this storage card goes in the MiFi, and then you can put stuff on it. It just gives you two copies of stuff without having to use your bandwidth to upload it. It would just go straight to the device itself. So yes, highly recommended. Okay. Um, we also heard from McJim. And I'm ah, not, a miscreant MacBiter. Yes. I'm not going to read out exactly what he said. Um, that's because you can't, isn't it? Yes, it's Scottish. That's because I can't. <laughs> uh, so we're we going to get a summary of it. I'll summarise it. Yes, he He's bought been a very naughty boy. He bought an iPod Touch. He sold his i he he sold his iPhone five and <gasps> bought he sold his iPhone five a BlackBerry Z ten. <laughs> I'm speechless for the why, second time this week. Why did he do it? He got fed up with his iPhone and wanted something different. He wasn't buying an Android or a Windows phone, nor a previous gen BlackBerry, so when this Z10 came out, he went for it. Might end up regretting it, but I needed the change and can still use my iPod Touch for all things my iPhone did, bar the calls. Mad or what? At this stage, I was thinking, well, I just got an iPod Touch and I really didn't quite like it, so 50-50 at that stage, but carry on. He's got a message for Siri as well. Why are you still suffering those two hangers-on? That Elaine Giles and her man. Time you paid him off and did the so sh uh, did the so did the show yourself. <laughs> Charming. Mac Jim is a man of taste, exquisite taste. He then came back to us and he said, um, "Within I, days, I might yes, add. I must be insane." He said, "I've come to my senses. Return the BlackBerry. It wasn't a nice experience, 
as the OS was flawed in many ways and I've missed my syncing with all my iOS stuff. So I'm stuck with an iPod Touch I don't need. Nice though, and I've kept my iPhone 5. I'm still fed up with iOS as I still say it needs a complete rethink as it's getting stale and awkward to use in my opinion. What a silly bugger I was. I man, I. <laughs> oh, now I'm understanding it. I do agree. It, it it does. You look at all these shiny options that they come out with on these other stuff, don't you? Mm. Particularly how easy it is to do certain things. Um, what was it I was doing on, on my Nexus? And it was a complete doddle. And I thought if I was trying to do this on, on my iPhone or my iPod Touch or even my iPad, it would be a nightmare. I'd like to see... I, I know they don't change anything just for the sake of changing it, but when you look at what Windows Phone looked like in 2007 and you look at it now, they have... It's not even an evolution, is it? It's a revolution in what they've done with the interface. They've not been, what well, they've not done what Microsoft usually do, which is cling on to the old stuff. They actually have got rid of it all, and it's completely new. I th I'm hoping, having seen Windows 8 and used it, that it works better on a phone than it does on on my virtual machine. The interface is, um, you want to touch it, don't you? It's one of those interfaces. Yeah, definitely. But I, I used the browser the other day inadvertently. I was trying to get to the desktop and missed. <laughs> if you've not used Windows 8, it's quite an experience. Um, so I'm trying to open Internet Explorer. Don't ask why, it's a long story. And um, I clicked what I thought opened Internet Explorer, and it did. But it opened up the um, the Metro Internet Explorer. And uh, it was a story from a news site. And it actually looked like a newspaper. And you know, I had my mouse... And I had no idea really whether it, I just intuitively tried scrolling left to right and it worked and it was it was really nice. I thought that is actually a nice interface. So they have put some thought into it. And yes, iOS needs something, doesn't it? You see all these mock ups. That's the trouble. You know, these concepts that people put out both for the phone and the interface. And it says, like, you know, 10 things Apple could do with iOS 7. Yeah. And you get to number three and you're just drooling. And you know when we get it, it'll be like, uh, what did they do last time? Put pass, pass book in and two games demos. Mm. And we were all like, must have one, must have. Yeah, I want more this year, but I don't know whether I'll get it or not. Because we're talking about um, iWork and all the work that's got to go into it. And I, I'm just not sure they would have had the time from getting the last one out the door to actually completely reinvent the interface. But I agree with McJim. I would like to see that. Here's hoping we're not both disappointed in June. We'll see, we'll see. We also heard from Minster, who said, uh, What can I say? What an episode. What with Mike's teeth. Things don't change there, do they? No. Getting lady and gentleman bits pierced on the Enron wrap. <laughs> I don't think I've laughed so much for ages. Even cost me a new tyre on my bike. It did as well, apparently. Mm, that'll teach you. That'll teach you. I bet Mrs Minster was pleased. Not. Mm. Oh, good handbag money going begging there. Also notice you never said next week, but remember, I have the keys. Ah, yes, yes. Slight little hiatus there. <clears throat> They'll never notice. No. no, not a thing. Have we mentioned next week? No. Ah, we've said it now. Right, and we also heard from Carrie V, who says, OMG, the best MacBytes episode ever. I laughed till I cried about fish and tips, and the MacBytes Siri double act completely finished me off. Listening at work seemed like a good idea, but I fear my colleagues are now convinced I'm insane. But it's worth it. Thanks for the laughs, and please keep the shows coming. They won't mind that little hiatus, will they? No. No, no, I never notice a thing. Anyway, over to you. Talk about events. And the teeth. 
and the teeth talk about events and the teeth okay events yes uh this thursday we have an event we have a webinar thursday night for uk people thursday sometime for non-uk people or friday for jane indeed yes um office 365 for the savvy mac user um if you think that office 365 holds nothing of interest for mac users then think again um we've all already talked a little bit about office um in this episode but um elaine is going to be giving you the rundown the lowdown on office 365 what it's all about um even i was confused by office 365 so i'm hoping i'll be picking something up there and uh, how it can benefit you as a mac user yes because office 365 is not for windows it is a subscription based model and the mac is included so you can save much much money by going down that route but um i'm not surprised you're confused they've hidden the best of it away so uh, i have uncovered it and i shall be exposing it on thursday night as it were so do join us yes that's um 21st of March. March. Yeah. And the following Thursday, 28th of March, we've got another webinar, haven't we? Photoshop Touch, which is all about the convenience of mobile and the power of Photoshop coming together with something fantastic. Well, I looked at some uh, Adobe Touch apps before Christmas and by far Photoshop Touch was the most popular. At the time, it was only available for the iPad. But just a couple of weeks ago, they brought out a version for the phone. Interface is similar-ish, but things are in a different place. So um, I'm going to deep dive on that both on the phone and the iPad on the 28th. You should put the links to the videos up there to give people an idea of the kind of stuff we do. That's a good idea. I'll do that. That was the night I was with George Clooney. Yes. Uh, I'm smiling now. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Back back to this event. Mm. And I've got a bit of a special event coming up as well. More on it soon, but it's about podcasting. And um, I've been asked to deliver, uh, uh, well, what would you call it? Sort of a webinar, isn't it? Mm. All about podcasting. So, like I say, more details soon. But what I'll be doing is I'm going to be collecting comments from iTunes. So if you've yet to leave a review, now would be a good time. So I can share it with a much wider audience. So uh, if you haven't left a comment, please think about doing so. We'll be much obliged anyway. But uh, you could star in my presentation. What more could I say? So that one's coming up um, in a couple of months, I do believe. But that is it for this episode of MacBytes, and as ever, we would love to hear from you. So please send your questions, your comments, your queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. You can use the form on the website or send us an audio file. We're on the promise of something special from Jane, but I can't say any more at the moment. I'd be spoiling it. Uh, and you can also leave a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Don't forget to keep sending in your love bites. We've uh, got quite a stock of those, so uh, we'll be reeling them out next week oh how to add that in you can sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk and you can find us on twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes you can follow me personally on twitter at twitter.com slash elaine giles and me at twitter.com slash thomas mike oh well done but until this time oh dear me now it's me but until next time this has been elaine and mike bringing you macbytes goodbye goodbye and see you next time seems i am the only one without the macbytes teeth you are the true star of the show. You know what? I'm warming to you.